0: Stefan, my man. Yes. In our last episode, what, two weeks ago, you asked me about the Kenobi production coming to Disney+. Plus. Yes. And I ended up talking for, what, like two and a half hours about the show and the character, and then we just, like, cut all that out? Yes. We talked about it at
1: length, and you did your uh, uh, (laughs) suboken-fashioned twists and turns, and... Really getting
0: down deep, <laughs> and uh, it got too deep, too fast. So how about we chat about Kenobi? Here now, in this episode, a Kenobi plot point slash review episode of Before the Z-Wing. Sound good? Sounds awesome. Roll intro.
1: Roll intro. Welcome, guys, to the 11th episode of Before the Z-Wing podcast. My name is Stefan Arnold. He is Travis Heiner, a.k.a. Saboken. I am the average fan, according to our fan scale. He is the super fan. Check that out, fan scale, episode 10, just before this one. How much of a Star Wars fan are you? Are you a Padawan? Are you... Baby Yoda, Travis. Maybe even yep. you're a Jedi Knight or a Mortis God. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but you'll have to check out episode ten for all those questions and answers. It was a really fun episode. But Travis, what has been your most fun episode that we've done so far? We've we've broken into the teens now with uh, this eleventh episode. What we what was your favorite one for the first ten?
0: Um. Well, I mean, the one where I felt like I had some pretty cool things to say would probably be our Clone Wars episode. Your dad jokes with the Baby Yoda thing pretty threw me off guard. So the Mandalorian review was also quite fun to do. I like
1: that Baby, Hashtag Baby Yoda jokes. If you love horrible jokes or want to know more <laughs> about the Mandalorian, that is... All in our Mandalorian season review. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was a fun one.
0: Speaking of Disney Plus TV shows, have you uh, read anything about the Cassian Andor television series, the series coming to Disney Plus? I'm sure you know more about it
1: than I do, so please inform our audience. No, I don't.
0: Oh. I don't. There's, there's like minimal information out there. I was just curious because you tend to deep dive on that kind of stuff and surprise me, so I was just wondering if you heard anything about it. Not this time. Not... I know time. Diego Luna is supposed, is supposed to be coming back, but... Yes. And he said they're filming soon, right? They're going to be filming towards the end of the year? or I I have to look that up, but...
1: We'll have to look that up. Episode huh? 12, we will have all the updated information on that. So coming up next, keep listening. If, if you're listening in a few weeks in the future, just keep listening to episode 12. We will have all the updated information, but... For right now, and since you never asked tomorrow me, night,
0: tomorrow, 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 Clone Wars season seven. This is it. Go this time. is it.
1: Go time. You're not gonna have this edited by then. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be tomorrow night by then.
0: Um chances let's see what time is it. Yeah, as soon as we're done recording this, I'm probably gonna watch it. It'll probably be out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. So anyway, but since you didn't ask, I will tell you my favorite episode. By far, I think it's the best one we've done. Oh, yes. Uh, well edited, uh, just a barrel full of laughs. I had a fabulous time, and that's episode nine, our top 20 Star Wars vehicles. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I know, I love that episode. And folks, if you haven't listened to it, you will be shocked where the X Wing falls, you will be shocked where the Millennium Falcon falls, and you will yes. be shocked. At our number one pick. Hint, it's not either of
0: those. Oh my gosh. There will be moments... Go check it out. Episode nine. There will be moments that challenge our credibility, but we redeem it in the end. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. But anyway, Travis, let's get into it. Episode
1: 11 right now. Before the Z-Wing podcast. All right. Plot point number two. Saving General Kenobi... Travis what are we talking about with General Kenobi
0: yeah so um you'd brought up in um that was the last episode or the episode before that was last episode right about just a quick blurb on the Kenobi project and where it was I think you said Obi-Wan Kenobi was your joke and I didn't get it because I thought you were going a different way with that but that's that's good that's live live audio recording um so here's a chance for us to talk about the Kenobi show and kind of what it what it kind of is, where it stands right now, and then um, just like we did for the Clone Wars, sort of a or and Rise of Skywalker, sort of a preview of what our hopes and and fears are for the show coming up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I know we were talking about you know the difference between Kenobi in the original trilogy and the prequel trilogies. Mm-hmm. Talk talk more about what you think the new Obi Wan Kenobi show will get into. If you have any information or speculation on that, and then what you think it needs to um, cover and what it needs to solve. You've got you've got some uh, issues between the prequel and the uh, original trilogy.
0: Well, I mean that's apparent, right? I mean I've been saying that since day one. <laughs> um, well, first let's yeah, let's yes. give the listeners a quick like. Primer on what uh, what we're talking about here. So um, Disney has been in a while now working on, um, allegedly been working on a Kenobi show. And first it was going to be a movie and now it's a TV series and maybe it's a movie again, I don't know. Um, but basically they're bringing Ewan McGregor back to play Obi-Wan Kenobi. He played Kenobi in the prequel trilogies, a younger version of Kenobi. And I think he's generally regarded as a great fit for the role. But we can say, presume that playing Kenobi was um, a bit unique in that He was playing a character that was first played by Sir Alec Guinness during the original trilogy era. Um, Regarding the new project, it makes sense that it'll take place sometime between Revenge of the Sith and the Rebels TV show. My guess, based on McGregor's current age, probably midway in the 15 to 17 years between those two Star Wars productions. So give us
1: an idea of where that is according to um, the events of Star Wars. So people have an idea of how soon that is to the events of Star Wars.
0: Yeah. Um, you're talking about A New Hope? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, we're talking about that mid, mid-range, so probably seven years prior to when we see him in A New Hope or maybe in Rebels. We do. He has a cameo in the Rebels cartoon series. It's a very poignant Brief but poignant cameo in there, and they actually show Luke Skywalker in the same in a in a scene that follows what we see him in. But he basically looks like he does as we see him in A New Hope. He's the older man, much more reserved, and he doesn't have the flashy flair with his lightsaber uh, dueling as he does the younger version of him, like we saw at the end of *Vengeance of the Sith*. So, basically, in that midtime, you know, he's living a Tatooine. He's kind of looking over Luke as Luke's being raised by his aunt and uncle. This show. will Uh, presumably just focus on the life and times of Obi-Wan Kenobi while he was the hermit in the desert. Although I I would be shocked if we stayed on Tatooine the entire time.
1: So in the years before uh, we get to know Luke Skywalker, we're going to see Kenobi overseeing him, as you said, checking him out, protecting him from the Empire and things like that. I really wonder, yeah, I mean, I don't imagine they can stay on Tatooine um, that whole time, it seems like there would be, need to be, uh, bigger storylines, um, elsewhere in the star Wars universe.
0: Yeah. Well, rumors are that the, the script that was turned in for Kenobi apparently was, it was the most emotionally successful star Wars screenplay ever written. It brought tears to eyes so that people read it or whatever. I don't know. I mean, they could have said that about any of the star Wars movies. But apparently, it's supposed to be an emotional power punch. So if it's if it's just about Kenobi living in the desert, it could be very non-Star Wars traditional as far as him just you know hacking sand people down with his lightsaber and, and fighting scum and villainy in moss iceley all the time.
1: Yeah, I think that they, if they had any uh, inkling that uh, the Kenobi show wouldn't be as well received as the Mandalorian, they just had to like put it on the back burner and, and work, do some more work with it. So, so it lives up to the Mandalorian The Mandalorian. Has certainly set a high bar. Yeah. What, um, what if, what if he has like a family or something after, uh, revenge of the Sith?
0: You I don't know, like a no, short,
1: short lived family.
0: I don't think Obi-Wan would risk leaving himself vulnerable by having a family given everything he's lost. I mean, I have a plot point that I want to discuss a little bit later that could touch on that, though, because he did have a relationship with um, a character in the Clone Wars series called Duchess Satine Kreese. And so it is a possibility that maybe he would afford himself that. Um, But we can talk about that in a moment. But I think as far as having kids and stuff like that, I don't see that happening, especially. I mean, it's just it's going to end terribly. And by the time we see him in Rebels, he's alone again. And he basically is the old man we see just. You know, a, a year later or so, um, two years later, in um, a new hope. So right. I think I think the way to distill this project down is to think about you know what are the what are the the obvious primary objectives that this show and his character would face during this time period. One, not being discovered as a surviving Jedi. So we're not going to see him just whipping out the lightsaber at any given moment because the empire has got bounty hunters and, and inquisitors out there trying to find anybody who's wielding a lightsaber. So he's going to be forced to only use it and only use it and make sure that whoever sees him use it don't survive to tell the story. Um, right. Two, um, he's got to you know keep Luke from being identified as Anakin's son, let alone being a force sensitive child because the inquisitors again are out there looking for, that kind of those force sensitive kids three making it possible for Luke to grow up in a relatively safe and nurturing environment, Luke and Leia and Ezra Bridger, by the way, for those rebels fans um, are all, will be all close to 10 years of age during this time frame, because they were all born basically on empire day, the first day of the empire. So that's kind of where the age of Luke will be. If we even get a chance to see Luke during the Kenobi series, And then a few secondary concerns we could expect to see is Kenobi training or meditating on how to retain his identity after death, um, which could include some cameos from Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn again, and maybe even Frank Oz as Yoda. Because Yoda said at the end of Revenge of the Sith, you know, I've got some, some training for you to do. And maybe they commune via the Force, so you'll hear Yoda's voice. Yoda's known to be able to speak to force users across planets, across the galaxy, even though he's not really there, even though he's still alive. And then, again, like I said a, little, a few minutes ago, see some interaction with him at Moss Eisley, um, maybe get into some imperial entanglements, as he's quoted to say to Han Solo at the, at the cantina, just kind of provide some context to his references on both those subjects in A New Hope. And maybe, and this is an unlikely maybe, <laughs> some contact with Bail Organa, Jimmy Smits, Sort of reinforcing how Bail Organa knows where Kenobi is during the events of Rogue One and A New Hope, because he deliberately sends his daughter to go get him. Yeah. So, Ahsoka Tano is out during that time. Um, she her she's running by the name Fulcrum. So it's it it's a possibility that a younger Ahsoka Tano or the same age of Ahsoka Tano we saw her in the Rebel series. I mean, this would happen right before that. So she's under the codename Fulcrum. It makes sense that maybe they bumped into each other and she assisted them somehow. Maybe they fought side by side to get rid of some inquisitors or, you know, f- fend off some bounty hunters that maybe discovered Kenobi's location and identity and they had to stop them before they got away or something like that. You're kind of exciting.
1: Yeah, That that would be cool to uh, get a little bit more uh, breadth of a story um, with all the characters that we've that we've known in the in an animated series. Um, Connecting with uh, Obi Wan, mm-hmm. but let's talk about some of the issues that you have with Kenobi's actions and words in the prequel to the original trilogy. Yeah, because I know you 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 kind of want this series to also kind of explain the the journey or why he was so his lines were so different. Um, in the movies they made first, by the way, <laughs>
0: right? Um,
1: and then from from the from the prequels. So I'm gonna I'm gonna defend that side of it, and uh, but you can you can tell me what was what
0: where he was and how he needs to get there. Go ahead. Well, here let me ask you this, and let's 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 make the conversation semi interactive before I I take the deep dive. <laughs> Do you like Kenobi? I mean.
1: I mean, yeah, he's 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 a
0: cool cat. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Um, now you're talking seventies. <laughs>
1: no, no, I mean
0: he doesn't. He, could, he serves his purpose, right? And, and we're talking he about the old trilogy. He serves his purpose. He's the he mentor who, who who
1: who gets killed fairly quickly in the first act of the of the original movie, and goes from there. So it's kind of hard to have super deep feelings like you do for the other characters that are in all the movies, you know, right. obviously it was in the prequels, but you know, the prequels kind of standalone good and bad. So we'll get, you're there. right. I mean, I don't, I don't have super deep feelings for him. I guess, I guess that's my, my point.
0: Yeah. So here's the thing about the Kenobi character. I mean, he basically serves a particular role in this Joseph Campbell archetype, hero's journey thing he's the crazy old fool that sets the the path sets the hero on his path right he he meets the crazy old hermit and it says hey this is the wider world and this is how you need to be a part of it and then the hero goes on the adventure and of course usually this crazy wizened old thing whatever it is they die they they kind of give it that moment for the hero to it's like a call to arms you know a call to action and yeah. Kenobi does that for Luke Skywalker. It's a call to action. I mean, basically Luke's journey is completely dependent on the things he's told by Obi-Wan Kenobi because everything he's been told up until he meets Kenobi, as far as we're we're led to believe during just viewers of the old trilogy has been a fabrication. I mean, he doesn't know who his father is, doesn't know his, his lineage. Um, he doesn't really know much about what happened during the Clone Wars or the role of the Jedi. And then all of a sudden old Ben Kenobi starts filling him in on the details. And now he Luke's got a He's got to reconcile his worldviews all of a sudden, right? Yep. The biggest opportunity for a Kenobi film or TV series is repairing the damage done to the original trilogy version of the character by his participation in the prequel trilogies, if that makes sense.
1: It does make sense. So what you're saying is the lines, obviously, originally written before the prequels in the original trilogy no longer makes mm-hmm. sense by what actually happens in the prequel trilogy.
0: Oh, I mean, not only that. I mean, they, they almost make the character seem sinister. I mean, when you you're sit su- down, I, mean, you're I don't saying know how there's an, sit down and...
1: You're saying Ben Kenobi may actually be sinister slash evil because of the journey he took from the prequels to the original
0: trilogy? No. I'm saying that the inconsistencies of the prequels makes the lines that Obi-Wan says to Luke seem sinister in his whatever agenda he has because gotcha at the core of all this okay. a lot of the implied history that accounts for the world building in episodes 4, 5, and 6 is completely unsupported by the events seen in 1 through 3 gotcha And this is why I think the prequels turn Luke into a chump, especially if you watch those six films in episodic order. If you watch four through six first and don't want the character of Luke to be undermined, you don't watch the prequels. And it all rests in what is happening between his relationship with Obi-Wan Kenobi because of what Obi-Wan says to him to get him on his journey. Every one of those lines through all all three of those original trilogy films is completely undone. Because it's never supported in the prequels. And a TV show has a great chance to save that if that's possible.
1: Okay, well, let's jump right in then. You give me a line, and I think you actually have the audio from the original trilogy. And then tell me how the prequel mm-hmm. trilogy doesn't support that at all. And then we'll talk about how a TV yeah. show can support it.
0: Well, let's just talk about the main time we get any kind of information dump in A New Hope. And it's when Luke is with Obi-Wan in his hut. Oh, my father didn't fight in the wars. He was a navigator on a spice freighter. That's what your uncle told you. He didn't hold with your father's ideals. Thought he should have stayed here and not gotten involved.
1: You fought in the Clone Wars?
0: Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father.
1: So, Travis, Ben says Owen didn't have the same ideals as your father. How do the prequels not support that line?
0: Well, we never even get a moment between Owen and Anakin. I mean, we find out they're not even related. And so Anakin, like, he spends like 15 minutes and has a quick conversation with him and then gets on a speeder bike and goes slaughters Zan people. And then he comes back and buries his mom. And then the next thing he knows, he's getting an emergency uh, call from Kenobi to come save him on Geonosis. So there's no, there's no interaction. There's no ideals spoken about there's no moment for owen to to protest why anakin is leaving because there's no relationship yeah there. it's
1: less than 24 hours where he comes in meets the family figures out why his mom's not there and then leaves uh unfortunately um his mother is killed or ends up dying and he brings his mother's body back and then he gets called away as you said so you're right. There is no relationship there. Um, how do you think that the
0: Ben Kenobi show? Well, first let's address why that ahead. becomes a problem. Let's let's address why that becomes a problem for the old trilogy version of Kenobi. So now, remember, I said um, a few episodes back that we only we should really only just evaluate the movies for the movie's sake and not any kind of meta contextual conversation that directors are having or writers are having with the audience, that kind of thing. But this is one of those situations, where why I think we kind of elevated it to a plot point slash preview for the Kenobi show, is this now creates a very huge plot point. What would be Obi-Wan's motivation for saying that line to Luke Skywalker, given the background that were provided from Attack of the Clones, uh, Clone Wars cartoon series, whatever? Um, since there is nothing to support why Obi-Wan would say that, there still needs to be a reason why he says it. And that is where I say that, you know, because there actually is no motivation other than something that Kenobi is fabricating in his mind to try to convince Luke to follow him to Alderaan, it makes him suddenly become a very sinister character in Luke's life. Well, hold on, hold He's on. He's basically lying to Luke Skywalker to convince him to hold go become on. a Jedi. Well,
1: I mean... He's taking this kid and telling him these lies. The fact is, Owen, he knows Anakin is a Jedi, and but he ends up staying on Tatooine and becomes a farmer, so... By default, um, what happens after um, Anakin leaves and becomes Darth Vader and the Empire rises and all that, by default, because he stays, um, he does not have those same ideals as a young Jedi, a young
0: Anakin, or, or even a Darth Vader. So, by default, that is correct. No, no, it's not. Owen was never given an opportunity to leave Tatooine and go get involved, in because in, there was no war at that time. He was he was a f- he was a moisture farmer with his dad. He was carrying on his dad's tradition. There was never an opportunity for him to, oh, hey, Owen, my name's Anakin Skywalker. I'm saving Padme, and we're trying to stop a war from starting with this Count Dooku guy. Come with me and help me out. And then Owen would say, what? No, I want to stay here with Dad. I don't have the same ideals as you. I think you're getting involved. You should stay here instead and be a farmer. That's No, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's That was never an opportunity. He, he meets Owen... Owen doesn't have enough background to understand what's about to happen. And it, again, the line says your uncle didn't hold the same ideals. I get where you're coming back from there, but yeah, but d- Owen felt he should have stayed here. He's talking about Anakin, not himself. He felt Anakin should have stayed here and not gotten involved.
1: Okay, so that part of the line, uh, I agree, it doesn't doesn't really make sense. But you can still say that Owen had those, uh, those. Uh, feelings about staying out of it
0: because he grew up and he stayed. But staying out of what? I mean, he didn't really have enough context for anything. I'm, I'm not trying to just say that Owen isn't a smart character. I'm just saying there wasn't enough background information provided to Owen that was shown on screen that would even give him a chance to to have a battle of ideologies with Anakin. I mean, he could he could be critical of Anakin saying, wow, this kid's a high head. He came and slaughtered a bunch of sand people. But I, then again, they killed his mom. Good luck there son. I mean what, but what
1: about in hindsight I just... as as time moves on after Anakin goes to the Tatooine and meets Owen Anakin leaves right that's mm-hmm. already known he's already known he's already yep. gone doing his thing and Owen's staying and so and Owen can still think that Anakin shouldn't have left without expressing
0: those feelings to Anakin himself. Why would he express those feelings to Kenobi then? Why would Kenobi know that information?
1: Well, by default, by him staying, he doesn't think that he sh- he should have gone off because that's why he's staying. So by default, even if Owen doesn't talk to Anakin about it, Kenobi knows that Owen wanted to stay and didn't have the same ideals as going off to fight because he didn't follow Anakin and he didn't join the fight later uh, when it when the empire was rising. Well, remember there'd be the clone wars
0: first. Right. And then the empire rising. I No.
1: Yeah. But I'm talking that whole time. No, Because
0: see what I'm looking for is information about why, why Kenobi would say that to Luke. And it's not backed up why he would say that to Luke Skywalker, because again, okay. So, so just follow that, how it, how, how it goes. Let's assume that Kenobi doesn't know that, that, Owen and Beru are already killed by the stormtroopers when he says that to Luke Skywalker. He says that line to Luke Skywalker, and let's just assume that he doesn't know that Owen is dead. Well, then what happens when Luke turns down Kenobi's offer to go to Alderaan and become a Jedi and goes back to Uncle Owen and says, hey, old Ben Kenobi said this. What can you explain it? I mean, that's just going to continually discredit Kenobi. So Kenobi's taken a really sharp gamble with giving this bit of information that's not supported by anything prior by history within the Star Wars universe um you know in story. So then Luke is just going to get told mm. something by his uh. uncle and his uncle's saying no I I I have no idea who your dad was. Yeah, he was a hothead. He ran away and I mean if he wanted to he could have stayed here and become a farmer, but he never expressed that's what he wanted to do. I mean, he had a lightsaber and a hot girlfriend and then he stole our protocol droid C3PO which apparently I didn't know this but he built him. Well, there we go. That is the context of Owen's exposure to Anakin. Unless Kenobi sat him down and said, "Hey, remember that kid who came out here, Anakin Skywalker? Well, he became Darth Vader." I mean, I wouldn't even, I can't imagine Obi-Wan ever admitting to Owen that that's the situation. I mean, clearly Owen knows because he says that line he does at dinner, you know, when Bruce says he's got too much of his father in him and then Owen says that's what I'm afraid of. But then, I mean, he doesn't actually have to know that Owen, or that Anakin became Vader. He just has to know that Anakin was a killer. He killed Sam people, women, children alike. So I don't know. But there's more. I think you're reading too much into I it. I don't think so. But there's a lot more. <laughs> but there's
1: there's we more. got more. <laughs> okay, so we we've got a few few more. Man, we should have made this a two part episode. No, we're
0: going we're going um, gold
1: and have fun editing this, I, buddy. I love it. So hey, so let's quickly. Say or quickly surmise is there a way to get from prequel actions to Ben's line? There is there a way to do that in the new Obi Wan series? So, him meeting Owen,
0: right? Well, so let's say we cast Owen. Um, I can't remember the actors name played him in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, but he'd be at the same age, so why not hire him back? You know, Maybe there's a moment where he has this honest heart-to-heart with Owen and, t- and just spills everything that happened, maybe out of guilt. Uh, Kenobi just sits down with, with Owen Lars and says, here's the kid, this is what happened, this is the importance of what's could happen, and I need you to be on board with this. And so then Owen participates in the lie. If we can get a scene like that in the Kenobi show, it doesn't rectify the st- what I would say is a sinister lie that Kenobi is spinning to convince Luke to go on this journey. But it does make a little more sense about why he's so desperate and maybe would say something like that to get Luke to go because he's at the end of his life. He's already spent a lot of meditation and force power to develop, retaining his identity, so he doesn't fight as strong as he used to. This is you know his twilight years. And so I can see him making some very desperate Decisions on behalf of Luke and saying some very erroneous things to kind of push Luke out the door and get him on this journey. But we'd have to see some kind of interaction between... We'd have to get an, a buy-in from Owen because I can't imagine anybody spinning that kind of a lie to convince somebody to go do something against their nature and not have it supported by the people who love that person around him if he goes back and, and questions what he's been told.
1: I mean, yeah, but at some point we need a savior for the rebel the rebels. So, if this kid is it, then
0: Oh, hey, you're just no, open a oh, can. God. No, no. Put, you just open the seat. That icon. is Oh my god. It's a oh yeah, here it is. <laughs> it's a resalable can. No, too put late. A pin in it. Put it's a pin too late. In it. No, it's people Nope. It's, not going to send it. I got to say this right now. Hashtag this brain. is the problem. This is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> with doing this to Kenobi because remember how I said in the order to watch if you watch the prequels first if you watch in episodic order it makes Luke into a chump Because of this, this is that dilemma. This is the reason why that becomes a problem. Because if everything that Kenobi says to inspire Luke to go and confront his father and ultimately defeat the emperor and save the day is all spun on lies and an an, an agenda by a desperate old man that, that isn't supported by his own history that we get to see in universe, then it basically makes Luke a hero for all the wrong reasons. His motivations to go out to do this are all wrong, except for the one, that's to save his dad. But everything else that inspired him to become a Jedi and to go and join the Rebellion and and all that kind of stuff, it was all spun on a lie by this old man who had an agenda. And that's that's just not good storytelling. Unless you make that a plot point within the story that's deliberate. But because his lines in the old trilogy are never supported by any of his actions in the prequels, we're forced to have to reconcile... We, the audience members, are forced to have to reconcile this inconsistency between the younger version of Kenobi, who's a very likable, you know, you McGregor did a great job. He had a lot of cool um, snarky attitude and, you know, sarcasm. Very entertaining to watch. But then when you just compare those two characters, they're completely different people and they have the totally different motivations. It just doesn't make sense. Now, the, the series for Kenobi, if he went into this... Well, we'll talk about that in a moment, but I just there's a lot of fertile ground for them to to kind of do a really, really coarse character study to get him between those two moments. And I think there's some really um, intriguing story beats or plot points that can get us there. I can't say that they'd be 100 percent, you know, like the perfect puzzle fit, but at least they would cover a lot of ground and making it seem like, oh, now I understand why. The Ewan McGregor version of Kenobi eventually became the Sir Alec Guinness version of Kenobi and why he said the things he does, even though there's nothing in the prequels that backs it up. Because in this time when he was a hermit on Tatooine in those those years between of the Sith and Rebels, it would make more sense about why he would get to where he did to say the things he did to Luke to get Luke on his journey without sacrificing Luke as a genuine hero in the entire saga.
1: Okay, so <laughs> can you... Hit that audio. Why do
0: you hate Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's another line from the old trilogy of something that Ben says to Luke specifically that, again, it really just falls apart when you just look back at the prequels and say, huh, where did that come from? Why is he saying this?
1: You your
0: so this Most line's from Return of the Jedi. Star it's star when, uh, just shortly after, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, father. Yoda passes away and Luke is trying to contemplate his next move because Yoda says he has to confront Vader in order to become a Jedi.
1: Okay.
0: You were our only hope. Yoda spoke of another. The other he spoke
1: of is your twin sister. But I have no sister. Hmm. To protect you both from the Emperor, you were hidden from your father when you were born. The Emperor knew, as I do, if Anakin were to have any offspring. They would be a threat to him. That is the reason why your sister remains safely anonymous. Okay, so Kenobi tells Luke that the Emperor also knows that if Anakin had kids, it would be bad news for the Emperor. Why doesn't that hold up from the prequels, Travis?
0: Well, you just watched the prequels recently, right? Yes. So... How about you answer me? When was there ever a moment that supported that line?
1: I'm not sure what The you're... Emperor
0: knew... Yeah, go ahead. The Emperor knew as I did, if Anakin were to have any offspring, they would be a threat to him. That line carries some big plot holes as it currently stands. I mean, beyond playing the pronoun so game the plot and tra- holes
1: are The plot holes are that he actually helped Anakin no. save... Nope
0: no nope. Padme no or he didn't kill Padme himself well no nope, not even that
1: why didn't the Emperor kill Padme <laughs> that's going to be a threshold. I mean
0: well I mean as we see in the whole how the whole thing plays out Emperor needed Padme to be part of what pushed Anakin to the dark side to begin with but then he could kill her right and now recently in the comic book she's back so we don't know if he actually if she died or not so there's a plot twist for you ooh. no so but go ahead no, that was it I just said ooh Ooh. yeah so yeah uh, so that line carries some big plot holes as it currently stands beyond playing the pronoun game and figuring out if the threat to him was referring to Vader or the Emperor because it could go either way right he doesn't make it clear yeah at what point did Obi-Wan consider the possibility and consequences of Anakin having children even after he figured out that Padme was pregnant with Anakin's child so that, that line, to me, suggests that Anakin having kids was enough of a possibility that both Obi-Wan and the Emperor considered the ramifications, and that at some point, Obi-Wan either exchanged dialogue with the Emperor, or at least discovered Palpatine talking about the threat of Anakin or Jedi or Sith Lords or whatever having offspring. You know, as it stands now, nothing in the prequel supports why he says that to Luke. Like, Why would he know what the Emperor's thoughts are about Anakin having kids at all? unless they had a conversation about it and they never did. You know, the prequels inform us that Jedi weren't even allowed to have relationships at that level. And while Anakin uh, was escorting Padme back on Naboo and Attack of the Clones, she questions if the if the Jedi are allowed to love and that she thought love was forbidden for the Jedi. So that reinforces that no they're not allowed to even though Anakin explains that attachment and possession are forbidden, but compassion being a form of unconditional love is central to a Jedi's life, you know, blah, blah, blah. And in Revenge of the Sith, or when he has that nightmare, and then they're kind of discussing yeah. about the future of the kids, um, she says something like, he'll be expelled from the Jedi Order if they discovered that he's the father of her baby, right? And Anakin wasn't outwardly expressing a desire to leave the Order in that movie. He kind of does in the in the Clone Wars cartoon series, but definitely not in the movies. So, again, that whole that whole dialogue exchange about the Emperor and kids being a threat to Anakin never comes up so if you have a character saying a line with that much weight to the main hero of the story you got to explain why they're saying it and as it stands right now the only explanation we have is he's just pulling it out of his butt he's just saying it for the sake of saying something to convince Luke to go on with his journey to defeat Vader there's nothing that backs it up
1: but is it obvious is it obvious are the children an obvious threat to we don't know Darth Vader or the emperor is I mean isn't that obvious
0: oh I see what you're saying yeah but why would he say that the emperor knew that
1: so if, why not just say if, if Yoda Obi- knew as well
0: as I did that if Anakin had any kids it'd be a threat to him that's why we saved you guys and didn't let the Emperor know that would make more sense that would make way more sense but he doesn't he says the emperor knew as well as I did, which means that there at some point there was some kind of conversation or under, mutual understanding between No, Enobi. I don't think you need that. I don't think you need that. Yeah. Then you don't say that line. That line is totally unsupported. It's supported for the fact, maybe, it's supported for <laughs> the fact that
1: the children of the savior, uh, you know, or the, yeah, the children of this... The chosen Jedi ever, Anakin Skywalker, would become a threat to turn Vader back or a threat to dethrone the Emperor. So that's not good. If you think about it, if you're thinking about it and you're hosting a Star Wars podcast and you just think about it, you're like, (laughs) that go that actually just makes common sense.
0: It doesn't make a sense for the character to say that to another character. Yeah, it makes common sense for us as the audience members to make that assumption, but not for a character to make that assumption and speak that assumption to the hero of the story without it being substantiated somehow. So how does the Obi-Wan show solve that? I have no idea how it solves that one, unless like I said, if Anakin, or if Obi-Wan leaves Tatooine and goes, you know, you remember how at the beginning of our podcast I said I had these three episodes, three, these two additional movies of Solo that would kind of solve the problems of Solo, or at least make Solo important to watch. What? Kind of thing, right. So, yeah, you remember <laughs> of how we I talked remember about it. it,
1: but some people are hearing this for the first time. <laughs> That's right. Travis has two.
0: Well, go back and listen to episode yes, one. <laughs> episode
1: one. Travis has two ideas about two Solo sequels, yes. and we're going to talk about those in a future episode. Get into those that make Solo important (laughs) but continue, Travis.
0: Right. Okay, I'm just going to give you a big hint on what those two movies were. So basically, to follow up Solo, the next movie would have been about Boba Fett, which is probably not going to happen now because of Mandalorian. You'd also ask me if these were even possible anymore. I said it's just an oversaturation of the content. And then the third movie in that trilogy would be the Kenobi movie. And the reason why they would make the Solo movie important to watch is because part of that narrative thread would involve Darth Maul and Kira. Bigger secondary characters in the Fett movie, but they'd be big time players in the Kenobi movie. And that's why meeting them in the solo movie would be so important to see that beginning of that relationship, because that relationship between those two is fleshed out as they interact with I, these other characters. First Boba Fett and his friends. And then I I've in a Kenobi got, I've got movie.
1: A, a giant wait, 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 so, before I lose it, I've got a giant idea for the Obi-Wan series. Obi-Wan goes to confront the Emperor to try to end the whole thing. They talk, solve your problem that we're talking about now about the kids. They fight, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, Kenobi escapes with the help of a turncoat Imperial pilot who will be called in the future Han Solo.
0: No, too small world. <laughs> 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 so is that why he goes and meets Han Solo for the first time at the cantina, but secretly already knows who he is and why Han Solo mm. doesn't really recognize him when he's sitting there with yeah, Luke Skywalker? Well, that's just
1: another problem with the old trilogy that we have to... Uh... Oh, there we go. <laughs> but then, then, no, go ahead. So anyway, continue.
0: I mean, you could say that he was saved by Chewbacca, and that's why Chewbacca recognized him at the cantina. Now you've got a story. Yes. Maybe even Lando wasn't involved. But, but anyway, anyway. So my idea for the Kenobi movie was kind of like a a Star Wars slash Born Identity sort of thing, where Kenobi isn't hiding. He's this, basically this ultra spy. He's can't reveal his identity. So he's very limited on what his resources are to protect the kids. So what he usually does is whenever an Inquisitor or a bounty hunter comes sniffing around Tatooine to try to find any force users, specifically, you know, older, you know, lost Jedi, or I'm sorry, um, escaped Jedi from Order 66. And then of course, any kids who have the force, he steers them away from the planet. he goes off into the galaxy and, and leaves clues to kind of make sure that the breadcrumbs never lead back to Tatooine. They always lead somewhere else. And that's sort of the movie is basically him just constantly having to go off planet and and reroute people so they never come around Tatooine without actually giving away who he is or that he even exists. So it's this really intriguing spy type thriller. That's the way I kind of envision the Kenobi movie being. And then I even envisioned that at some point in and, and this is gonna sound kind of silly at first, but there's a reason for this in my next plot point that's going to come up in just a moment. He would actually confront Vader. A younger version of Kenobi would confront Vader one more time because it kind of needs to happen because of some lines that are said in a well, little bit. Let's let's just but jump right into if it. If that was the case, that. let's... No, 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 because I want to solve this other okay. one first. So if there was a point where <laughs> Kenobi had come across Vader and he overheard... Um, he had a, like a link to the Emperor and had overheard the Emperor saying something about if Vader has any kids... If Vader has any kids, not that he already had kids, but maybe there was a relationship between him and Doctor Afra, or maybe Vader had was starting to fall for somebody, and it was becoming a threat to you know what the Emperor already had standing. Then, then, Kenobi saying that Luke that line to Luke would make more sense. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, that makes you could do that. I mean, we we are missing another Vader obi-wan kenobi confrontation because there was only really the two
0: right the original one and then the one where he dies in star wars a new hope but you could have got away with that you could have been fine with that if you had just put in some other pieces of information that would justify another very big important line that is directly related to kenobi even though it's not said by kenobi which i have queued up here in a moment um and it involves Vader. I mean, it's it's a very, very important line that we never get to see in the prequels. And again, it makes this whole relationship between Vader and Obi-Wan completely crumble in the old, old trilogy, because all the lines that are said revolving around or including Kenobi paint a very specific backstory that the prequels never even come close to, f- to fulfilling, to, to keeping those promises on. Which is why I think a lot of us old school fans have such a hard time with the prequels. It's like, you know, yeah, they might have been fun movies to watch, but they don't support anything that was said in the original trilogy by these key characters who are those legacy characters that are holdover from the younger versions of the prequels to the older versions in the old trilogy, original trilogy. All right. Well, so let me cue up that line. Let's hear that line. It's important. This is an important line. The emperor has been expecting you. I know, so it's from Return of the Jedi, so and it's on Endor, and Luke has just turned himself I've in the truth that to evil Vader. Anakin Skywalker, my father. That name no longer has any meaning for me. It is the name of your true self you've only forgotten. I know there is good in you. The Emperor hasn't driven it from you fully. That was why you couldn't destroy me. That's why you won't bring me to your Emperor now. Come with me. Obi-Wan once thought as you do. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. You know what line I'm talking about. Yeah. So
1: key part that you say is never supported is because Obi-Wan thought that there was still good in Anakin but it was never supported in the sequels.
0: Not only that he thought, but he thought enough that he could bring him back to the light side as Luke was attempting to do right there on the catwalk in Endor. Obi-Wan once thought as you do, you know, Luke is attempting to convince Vader to come with him back to the light to lead the emperor. But Vader claims the dark side is too powerful and that Obi-Wan once thought as he did, which means at some point there would have to have been a moment where Vader was in a confrontation with Kenobi and Kenobi was pleading with him to come back to the light. We never got that. In Revenge of the Sith, when they're fighting, we get a Kenobi that criticizes Anakin. He judges him. He's already accepted the fact that he has to destroy him, but there's never an on-screen moment where he says, come back with me. You know, uh, Padme says that before he starts choking her out.
1: Yeah, Kenobi basically says, you know, you were the chosen one, you know, and kind of blames him and... And, you know, just kind of just, um, accepts the fate that he has turned
0: to the dark side. Exactly. So it in order for that moment, to ha- for Vader to say that with any sincerity to Luke Skywalker, there has to be a moment where Kenobi makes that appeal to him. And so I think that it, it makes sense that there would be some kind of confrontation. It doesn't necessarily have to be a lightsaber confrontation, um, but some kind of interaction maybe between, you know, Hollow... Um, the holonet or something like that is some kind of communication where Kenobi reaches out to Anakin and and tries to convince him to come back to the light like maybe he senses for a moment there's a a moment of weakness in Vader and you know do so in a way that doesn't sort of nullify the villainy of the character to begin with even though we're having a hard time expecting or accepting that Vader is a villain anyway because every time somebody goes every time he's supposed to defeat somebody they always get away um so how efficient is he or effective but I mean, you kind of have to have that 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 confrontation between them, and I think the a Kenobi show, I, I you have to I I don't know you don't have to, but I think it's very well to expect that kind of a moment in a Kenobi show to get us to understand why Vader would say that to Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi, and also to sort of like so, when if Vader and and Obi Wan do have their final battle in the first Death Star, Vader says, you know, when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I'm the master. I mean. You also kind of have to tap dance around him saying that. So you could have a fight between the two, but then you'd also have to support why Vader would feel that he was still learning something from not maybe necessarily from Obi-Wan, but learning something to make him better than Obi-Wan when they're having a confrontation. Because as we stand right now, that line makes sense. You know, the last time they fought was on Mustafar before Obi-Wan chopped him up. And he was the learner. He was just becoming a learner of the dark side. You know, he'd just taken on the, the name Darth, and now he's the master of the dark side. And so when he fights Kenobi for the final time, he wins, even though we really know that Obi-Wan kind of sacrificed himself. So if you have a fight or any kind of confrontation in a new Kenobi show between Kenobi and Vader, you can't damage that line being said. When I left you, I was about to learn and now I'm the master, but you also have to give us the information that would make Vader think that Kenobi was reaching out to him to kind of bring him to the light and then failing. Right. So I mean, can you Go ahead. No, go for it. I was going to recap it, so keep talking if you oh, okay, want to keep yeah. talking. I mean, I can imagine, like in this new show, Kenobi being grief-stricken with his part in how everything fell apart at the end of the Clone Wars. I mean, talking about the big Clone Wars, you know, just including Revenge of the Sith. And seeing this little boy grow up fatherless, and I'm talking about Luke now basically are parentless, really, right? I mean, maybe Owen comes across too emotionally distant to be a nurturing father for Luke. You know, Kenobi thinks that it's his responsibility to at least try to save this boy's father, save his once closest friend. So he goes to Vader to save him. There would be plenty of drama and tension in that plot thread because Kenobi couldn't reveal to Vader that he had kids or that Anakin had kids, The risk would be just too high, you know. But emotionally, he would want to bring... Yeah, sure. But emotionally, he'd want to bring Anakin fully back to the light and then unite Anakin with his son that he didn't even know he had. I mean, that's that'd be a great motivation for Kenobi. And then what a great emotional punch in the gut because here he's trying to make everything right, but he still can't do it. So then he's left with the last thing is to convince Luke. I mean, I'd watch that show. I would totally watch that show. Here's my
1: idea on what the Ben Kenobi show would do is that he, part of it is talking to Owen to continue the lie. Yep. He's got to overhear or confront the emperor about the children,
0: the possibility of children.
1: He could, the emperor can't know there's kids. Yeah. The possibility of children. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then confronting Darth Vader at least once about coming back to the light side. Without giving away that he has kids. And then in the meantime, or in, uh, Yes. And then in the meantime, um, you know, fending off Inquisitors and Bounty Hunters and the such. So they could turn that into a compelling series. And we don't know how many uh, episodes we have to start off, right? Because they basically just put a kibosh on the whole thing and and delayed the whole thing. So we don't even know that yet. Boom. Well, there you go, Travis. We not only took the original trilogy, Ben Kenobi compared him to the prequel Ben Kenobi, but we solved all the issues that we had, the three main <laughs> issues we had, by making the new Ben Kenobi show. That was, that's 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 some
0: uh, work that we got done here in just one episode. And then it's gonna totally be undone when the Kenobi show comes out, <laughs> and then we're just gonna sit like two old guys bitching oh, about why they didn't goodness. do these decisions that we totally suggested they do.
1: <laughs> well, you're just gonna have to write a sternly worded email before they pick up production again and tell them what they have to do.
0: Yeah. You see, that's the thing that I don't, It's really presumptuous for me to make this statement, but you know, I Lucasfilm has this they call it the story group. And I mean if these are plot points that are obvious to, you know, me, you know, at home, a Star Wars fan, I would think that these things could be easily picked up and covered by the story group and to make sure that, you know, hey, I know you're working on a Kenobi movie or a Kenobi show, but can you please just make sure you cover these bases so that everything fits better together? But it seems like more and more, I mean, especially with the the sequel trilogy and then some some plot points with Solo. Like, no one's really paying attention anymore. And there's almost this desire for me to say, you know what, let's just forget continuity. Just throw it out the window. Let, don't have any continuity. You know, in the new Clone Wars cartoon series, the trailer that came out, they show Ahsoka in her confrontation, building up to her confrontation with Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. And she whips out these two lightsabers. And they're lightsabers that Anakin gives her and says, you know, good is new or something like that, or maybe even better than what you had before. I don't know. Something like that. Or I can't remember what the line is, but some of them, they're not her original green lightsabers or blue, but here's the problem in the Ahsoka book, they have that moment in a flashback where she fights Maul and Mandalore and she very clearly describes her lightsabers as being green.
1: Yes. Well, I think we can all agree
0: <laughs> that so, we're going to have
1: a good night not worrying too much about the color of Ahsoka Tana's lightsaber.
0: <laughs> May- but it's such a pivotal thing in the story. <laughs> she makes such a big deal about it. it was so nice to have her green lightsabers back because they're like pieces of her her, of identity. And now she doesn't. She's got blue lightsabers. They're handed to her by Anakin. So, you know, is the cartoon series going to retcon what the book covered? Is it, I don't know. Now Dave Filoni is good for trolling his his fans. Like when the, the season five, uh, trailer for the finale came out, they showed Anakin very clearly holding, um, it was a, his blue lightsaber and a green lightsaber. Let's see if I remember correctly, and everyone thought, oh my god, he's holding Ahsoka's lightsaber. She must have already died because this is before we knew anything. But then in the actual show, he's holding two blue lightsabers. So they were able to color correct it and change it. So, you know, he could have been like a red herring sort of scenario where Dave Fallon is like, we don't want people to guess how this is going to end. So let's just throw some... Odd saber colors because it was tied to the identity of the main bad guy. It was like a mystery plot, and so without revealing information, they changed the color of the lightsaber so you wouldn't reveal that he's holding this other person's lightsaber, who is actually the guilty party who had framed Ahsoka for the murder. Blah blah blah. blah. So it's clever. Yeah, you're it gonna to have to, to edit you know? this
1: whole part out because this some, is just uh, way sideways way, Easter way, eggs. Way way way. No, way not at too far in the all. Because
0: people who are in the weeds. huge fans, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Hey, fans, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Don't worry. There's a possibility that those lightsabers might still be green. <laughs> I'm going to say don't count on it. But there's always a possibility. Feloni's done this in the past. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. You know what I'm talking um, about. And maybe I'm only talking to an audience of one right now. but <laughs> I, I,
1: I hope the audience of one is out there. Uh, and let's try to make it more for the audience of a million, buddy. That's how we get the big bucks rolling in. Hashtag brand.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> Just kidding, folks. We want to delve as deep as possible well maybe not as deep as possible but pretty pretty darn deep into star wars but i think (laughs) at boy we are well over an hour now maybe travis can edit this down a little bit but that should do it we've reconciled some dialogue we've made a path from the prequels to the new obi-wan show to the original trilogy and that is good work for the night Travis, anything else
0: before we go? No, what's our next episode going to be on? We didn't talk about and Andor. We did not. We are going... But we definitely didn't talk about Solo. We haven't talked about Solo. We haven't talked about... Well, we'll have to talk about recap on Clone Wars episodes because we'll do a recap on those. So that's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We're going to... Are we going to Galaxy's Ed soon? We're, we got to go
1: there, but we got to make a plan of how we're going to cover that with <laughs> video and or audio. Dude, do you know
0: how hard it is to get into there, by the way? Have you have you talked to anybody who is actually it's like a lottery to get into that thing. Hmm. There's no guarantee if you're going to go to Disneyland and buy tickets that you're going to actually go see Galaxy's Edge cuz it's a lottery.
1: Can you determine that before you go to Disneyland or no? Like can you get word that you can well, you're, you're need, going to be able to
0: No, you have to go to Di- you have no You have to you have to be have the app open, you have to be in the park before it opens. You know how they open up Main Street like a half hour yeah, beforehand yeah, yeah. or whatever. You'd be on Main Street with the app open, refreshing it for your your boarding pass, as they call it, to see if you even get to go to the. No, sorry, sorry. Let me clarify. You can go see Galaxy's Edge whenever you want to at Disneyland, from what I understand. But to get on to the Rise of the Resistance ride, which I guess is like the bomb, the most incredible <laughs> feat of technology entertainment ever. You can't You can't. You're not guaranteed to go on that ride. Unless you get the boarding pass and it's a lottery.
1: Well, we will see what happens. We definitely have to figure that <laughs>
0: figure that out. But we will. People like park there at 4 a.m. in the morning just to make sure that the first people in the park are going to kind of hit the refresh button on that thing. But it's still not a guarantee that if you get there, no matter how early, you're going to get a, a boarding pass. Well, you remember Star Tours when it first came out? It was just a long line. That's all it was was a long line. And it was almost a fun long line. I mean, there was this buzz about Star Wars. You got to watch that big Teletron up there and talking about going to Endor or visiting Hoth or stopping by Tatooine. Okay, great. Now, uh, yeah,
1: we are done. Thank you, Travis, so much for joining us. And uh, we are going to put a pin in it and maybe a little bit less serious next time. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's gonna it's going to be on the
0: lighter side of Star Wars. Anyway... Let's talk about Ewoks cooking stormtroopers in indoor. We'll do Ooh, that. Wh- what would a stormtrooper them. taste like?
1: Episode 12, Before the Z Wing <laughs> podcast. Anyway, guys. Plot point 73. <laughs> yeah, yes. Anyway, guys, follow us on Twitter at BeforeTheZW. That's the letter B, the number four, the ZW. It's before underscore the underscore Z Wing on Instagram and before the Z on Instagram. Facebook. Search us on the Google machine as well, if you like. Please subscribe to this, even if we got a little bit too deep for you uh, this time. I promise I'll keep Travis in check from here on out. That is a challenge. I may never really. I'm. 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 I'm never gonna <laughs> make that happen. But anyway, for Travis Heiner, A.K.A. Saboken. Age real quick. Yes, for Travis Heiner, A.K.A. Saboken. I'm Stefan Arnold, aka FF Observer on Twitter. This has been Before the Z-Wing Podcast. Before ZW, never underestimated droid.